You've survived the worst. Trauma, loss, rejection. The reality is, your pain can be a crutch, or it can be the thing that launches you. You're listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you experience true freedom and breakthrough. Tune in each week as guests share their incredible life lessons from their personal stories and hear from experts who can give you the tools you need to stop surviving and start thriving. Here to help you find purpose through your pain is your host, Joseph James. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great show of Purpose Through Pain podcast. I have a really cool friend with me today. She's so cool. She has purple hair. <laughs> can't see. Just imagine purple hair. This is Michelle Chris. Michelle, we met several months ago and didn't even really connect the way we've connected now, but Michelle shared her story with me. She comes from a lifestyle of alcohol addictions, attempted suicide, and then also having uh, mental matters within the family that, that she's had to learn and deal and cope with, but then also take not only herself, but uh, family members to a place where they're learning to that it's okay to be okay right now and where they're at. She is a um, advance your reach agent coach, agency coach, where she's also coaching me and helping me build my coaching content and speaking engagements and really just kind of helping me along the path. And that's how we end up um, getting connected. But here's my good friend, Michelle Chris. Thank you, Michelle. For, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joseph. It is my pleasure. And I don't know that you need a lot of coaching. You're kind of like a fireball. I just have to like point you in a direction and you always light it up. I love it. Well, maybe you have the purple hair and I just need to dye mine red and orange. <laughs> Michelle, you know, we were talking a little bit about, you know, things backstage. And of course, we've had some conversations about your past, you know, dealing with the addictions and, you know, that the, the audience we're, we're helping people find their purpose through pain and everybody in life, no matter who you are, where you come from, how much money you make, you don't make, what kind of family you were born into deals with some kind of pain to some sort of degree during their lifetime. Some way more than others, some more than they probably, I would say, use the word deserve. Okay. Oh, yeah. I don't think any of us deserve the pain, but man, do we go through it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But there are people that are still stuck. And mm -hmm. then there are people like yourself and myself that have been able to imperfectly find a way yeah. to make it through our struggles. And that doesn't mean we're perfect. Oh, messy. It was messy. It is messy. It's all kind of messiness, you know, but... Take me back in time to where you found yourself dealing with these addictions and why you felt those addictions even happened um, in your lifetime. So I have the um, distinct pleasure or honor of trying to get through things in whole two different fashions. Like when I was younger, I, I went through having a stalker. As, as a small child, like my parents were worried about my safety walking to school. There were lurkers around the house. And so from like 
super young age, martial arts training and how to handle yourself and be aware of your surroundings. I had to be maybe seven, six or seven, which makes me really take a moment because my twins are six. They're in first grade right now. And that would have been the time I was doing all that. And how I became strong growing up, you know, I was independent, I was bright, but there was always a distance between me and other kids. And I went through this whole youth growth and I was, I was quietly in my own little bubble until my high school year when life kind of like smacked me so hard that I didn't have any choice but to really stop and, and look at life differently. And many of us have those moments, but we don't have the clarity or the gifting of that moment. And it doesn't feel like a good thing. I, I hope that makes sense. But Absolutely. this is a, a kind of a heavy story. And, and usually I like to start with somewhere funny, but this is kind of, this is you, Joseph. You always, we always dive in both feet, got the boots on. Right. So my freshman year of high school, I went to the parent-teacher conference with my mom, and I was very proud because my grades were rocking, and I really didn't have any friends. There were a couple people that I knew because we did Girl Scouts and things, but I just, I wasn't interested. There was this distance, and knowing about um, all the stuff growing up, and everybody has their own normal. It seemed normal to me, and well, after that parent-teacher conference, I went over to Dylan's with mom to get detergent. Uh, we needed laundry detergent and some dish soap. And the parking lot was packed. I'm in a small town in Kansas, so everything's an event, right? And everybody was out that night and at Dylan's after the parent-teacher conferences. And as we're driving to park, I see a student that I go to class with um, to have a conversation with a couple adults didn't even think about it. And as we paused to park by the front door, this man starts limping in front of the car and I recognize him. I was very excited. I'd gotten to say hello earlier in the evening and told my mom how much this was going to be an amazing class. And he was limping and holding his glasses in his hands. And he went on into the store as we parked. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw a kid with a toy gun. But I very quickly realized it wasn't a toy and he wasn't a kid because he loaded the gun, walked into the door of the Dillons, came up behind my teacher and shot him. I mean, in a blink of an eye. I mean, we're still like, I'm, I'm sure my mom's foot had to be like frozen on the, the, the brake, not sure whether she was in park or whatever, because we were just frozen. But the man kept moving. Like life kept going, but we had paused. The people around me had stopped. As he comes back out, he looks me right in the face, ejects the shell, and keeps walking. I'm a freshman in high school. I am an athletic young lady. I've been doing martial arts since I was a kid. I understand safety sometimes involves, does he have any more bullets? Honestly, before I could make a decision, my mom backed the car out and left. <laughs> and 
he left and this was this was a long time ago so this was really before cell phones were a thing we went across the street called 911 from the mcdonald's uh phone in there uh i guess we went through the drive-thru actually i can't even imagine what that was like for that guy on drive-thru that night but called 911 and then we came back to the scene and they took my statement. I ended up later going through the trial because I'd seen so much of what had happened. And here's the deal. There was trauma going on. That was actually uh, a father and an adopted son. And family trauma became town trauma in that moment. And it was really scary. Uh, life becomes very two-dimensional when it all the endorphin, you know, all the adrenaline comes up in your body and that flight, fight or flight, it's like everything becomes flat and it would replay in my head. So the morning after my mom kept me home from school, because as far as we knew, he had not been caught. And I would say after face to face in a small town with somebody doing something so violent, we were a little worried about our safety. When I went back to school, it had been a few days. And as I sat there, I couldn't believe how normal everything was. Everybody walking to the same classes, teachers asking about your homework, yelling, don't run in the hall. And I sat in my first class and looked around at all the people there, and it hit me that if he had shot me too, I don't know that anybody would have known who I was until they got to class and realized I wasn't there. Taking him a minute, it would have been when the teacher said, guys, I'm sorry to tell you this, but Michelle was shot in the shooting uh, at Dylan's this weekend. And that was when they would have known. And I didn't like take it like, oh, that's terrible, poor me. It was a moment of like, really quiet question bubbled up from in my heart. Now I'm a person of faith. And so I feel like God leads us to hard places. And then if we get real still and quiet, we usually hear a question that can change our life. And right there, it changed mine. Because I asked the question, well, if I'm still here, what needs to be different? I mean, if I lived a life and nobody knew me by the time I left, what does that say? Did I waste the opportunity? Did I not interact enough with those around me to like be a part of their life, to have them be a part of mine? Because if I'm still here and I, I want to give some value in high school freshmen at this point. So I came up with a genius idea. I didn't know it was genius at the time, but I still love it today. I started smiling at people. And I'm not kidding, Joseph. I like literally would like look at anybody and smile at them because I felt like, I don't know how to help you. I don't know what's going on. I don't know that I have anything to offer, but I can at least see you. Good. That, Good. that seed was the seed that like kept the, I wish I understood the value of it then, but I had to go through more trials for that to really blossom in my life. It's kind of like burying the seed and you got to get the dirt to press down and, and later it became really important. And sometimes even inadvertently for yourself, you didn't realize that it was about to launch you into your destiny. You oh, know, no. By understanding, I've got to ask myself this question. You know, the question pops up in your mind, you know, and unfortunately for, for millions of people out there, 
when we deal with trauma, you know, trauma can turn into shame, you know, and then we're shaming ourselves, we're holding ourselves back, and we're speaking all this, we're speaking and our thoughts are aligning with all the negativity behind it, which there's no doubt negativity behind it, you know, but we're keeping that, it's keeping us from moving on in our future. It does. And, you know, ultimately, things go both ways a lot of different times. I, I remember, you know, I remember when my mom passed away years ago, this was back in 2005, and I had a friend of mine that was an evangelist, and he said, Joseph, you don't have to be strong right now, you know? And he's like, allow God to be your strength, mm -hmm. you know? But we also have to understand that just in the midst of our weakness, and it's okay to be have weak moments, we can't stay in that. Hmm. And a lot of people simply just don't know that once they've entered into an area of weakness in their life, how to get out of it. Well, I think we un we un we don't intend to do this, but we think that what happened is us. Correct. That it is that we are weak. And here's the deal. We are made for connection and we are made for love. And with our faith, you know, blended in there, we are this perfect relationship, not because we are strong and mighty, but because we complement God's greatness. And I, I've heard it before, you know, God doesn't give you more than you could handle. And I would argue that maybe he does because he doesn't want you to handle it. He doesn't want you to handle it alone. He wants us to connect with others. I will say the best things that have ever happened in my life were when I involved other people. I reached out to people that have been through similar experience or just smiled and connected with somebody else. So I told you that I have done life two ways with healing. Well, my first way of healing started then. Get strong, get distance, work on keeping myself safe, being wise, being aware. Those are all good in theory, but they're not great for building a life. Because I started prioritizing safety over connection. And I... I smiled at people, but I kept myself a little bit distant. And when you do that, you don't get to really enjoy your life. You're always trying to do things best or better. And I got into this very empty, busy life. I had a great job. Uh, I went to college. You know, I did all the... I, the things you're supposed to do. I thought I was checking all the boxes. But honestly, it left me very empty. And so when my world got rocked, I didn't know that it was okay to be there. Because if you're just going on strength, when you're weak, that means something's wrong. Rather than I am me, and this is what I'm experiencing. But I didn't know that. And I think so many of us, we have had amazing, loving, wonderful people in our life. But they weren't trained as mentors. They weren't trained as a mindset um, coach. Yeah, they didn't understand that just because they got through it that way, that it would be fine for you to get through it that way. And I know you understand that. Marine with a Marine dad. 
Um, my husband is a Marine and he, before I met him, I, I literally came to the darkest and blackest place of my life. I, alcohol was just a way of life. You know, it was numbing. It was fun, right? You, you do the fun and easy thing. That's where I was. And I dealt with a lot of health issues and pain meds to deal with the health issues. And you blend it with the alcohol. And I was, I was a lot of fun at a party <laughs> and I could always get you uh, a great meal. My fridge was always stocked because I worked all the time and I played all the time. And I thought I was connecting with people and helping people be that person that was always lifting others up. And I real quick got smacked in the face with a one of those quiet moments where you ask yourself the question uh, with the live-in boyfriend who hadn't had a job and I don't know how long <laughs> that finally decided to leave me for one of the girls we played softball with. Uh, and I'm going, I have financially supported, fed and partied this whole group of people for over a couple years. What is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? I'm like, well, everything got really empty. And I decided that I would end my life. I was tired of hurting. I was tired of not knowing what I was supposed to do. Ever since I was a kid, I was like, I'm ready. Bring me hard stuff in life. I can do this. And I waited for life to bring it to me. But what I did was work every day at a job that paid, but it didn't necessarily light me up. It didn't ask me to, it didn't ask me what my gifts were. It didn't ask me what God filled me with. It just was something I did. And when everything fell apart, I really, I didn't know anything other than I hurt and I was tired of being strong. You can't only be strong to survive. It's kind of like the chocolate, like <laughs> bunny at at Easter, you have the ones that are empty in the middle or the solid chocolates, right? I was, I was the hollow bunny. Wow. I didn't, I hadn't filled me up. And the thing is, I was full. You've said it. I heard you say it, that we are, I, I'm going to start handing my kids acorns. We have everything in us that we need. We do. I didn't know that then. And we all... <sighs> Sometimes we doubt that the world is full of good things for us, like life is happening for us, and we think it's happening to us, right. and it keeps us kind of locked. And that's where I was, because I didn't, I didn't ask, well, why, why would this have been in my life? And if we still have breath in our lungs, so anybody that's hearing this, you do, you still have breath in your lungs, you still have minutes on your clock. And there is still people around you you can connect with, whether you know them or not. And until God's ready for that, that's, that's what it'll be. And the minute you lean into that, life changes. Now, it took a hard moment for me to lean in differently because I laid a shotgun on my bed and decided I was done. And I was okay. I figured everybody would be better off without dealing with me and my stuff. And I didn't want to deal with anybody else's stuff anymore. I was tired of lifting. And I, I remember being wedged between my bed and my wall, like cried till there is no tear, 
breath like ragged and like like you breathed in gas or something you're like burning and i i literally my mind said yes and my body refused to move i don't know if you would have asked me what it felt like to have god's hands on you but that moment i was not, i couldn't move in, in this so quiet voice. My family, let me pause. My family, I often talk about the, the, the volume of the voice in your mind. If it is super loud, that's probably not the voice of wisdom and truth. It's not the Holy Ghost. It's not the leading you where you need to go. Fear is loud. Mm. Doubt, loud. They yell, they scream. And they rarely hold truth. They hold survival, not life. Well, a really quiet voice in there said, I need you to take a breath. I'm like, I'm done with that. I've had a it doesn't help to breathe. I can't do anything right. Real quiet. Take a breath. I said, see? There, I did it. I took a breath. Take another breath. I still hurt. I know. I didn't say it would make the pain go away. I said, take a breath. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm breathing. Maybe about the 10th breath, the quiet voice was like, I'm not asking anything else of you. All I need you to do is take a breath. I'm like, wow, I can do that. <laughs> you didn't ask me to conquer my fear. You didn't ask me to banish my pain. You asked me to take a breath and lean in and listen to you. And that's, that's so powerful because it was submission. It was a small action. And I could do that. I could do that. And something switched there. I started focusing on the things that I, I knew to be true. And... I was still working from a be strong place, but I'd also found like the weakest base point of myself. And I was still here and I was still breathing. So I was like, well, what does that mean? What's in me? What do I love? What lights me up? Well, not long after I met my husband and sometimes the things we go through like line us up with the people we need to connect with, whether it's going to be your soulmate or, uh, some random person you meet in the meeting that needs to know your story or in a random podcast that happens to be listening. We met my husband, two tours in Afghanistan, going through a nasty divorce. The man would, to get like 20, 20 minutes of sleep, it would take him four hours. It, it was hard. It was hard. Uh, his family would throw a pillow at him to wake him up because they, they were in fear for themselves. He, he just, he didn't have a, a distinction between war and life at home yet. No way. And something about the things I'd been through made him and I be able to see each other, not in a judgmental way. Like I'm broken in my stuff and you're broken in your stuff and it's okay to be where we're at. And that, that was a seed, Joseph. We both had done it the hard way and the get strong on the outside way. 
and we held fire inside that just kept eating at us. You know, he said, and this is something that rang up to me the night my wife was passing away, even though mm-hmm. I, had heard, I had heard the message, I heard the video six, seven months prior, and it just didn't resonate with me the way it did that night that my wife was about to pass away. And the pastor talked about in Hebrews 4.15, it says, for we have not a high priest who can't be touched with the mm-hmm. of our infirmities. And you know, the whole message was about pain and that we're all going to experience it. But the way that we're able to touch other people's other people in their life, the way that we're able to connect, the way that we're able to relate, the able the way that we're able to understand is the fact that we went through things that they also went through. You know, I as an individual mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like to go through a divorce. Yeah, I've been through one. I know it. I know it has to be painful. I've seen people go through it. You know, I've never lost a child. Okay, but I know <laughs> my older sister did, and I watched what happened with that. You know, but the fact that I grew up in a very abusive home, my dad being a marine, a retired marine, physically abusive, verbally abusive, mentally abusive you know, to not only my mom, but my siblings. And then watching my mom die when I really wished it was my dad, because at the time I just, I just, I had this hatred towards my dad. I loved him because he was my dad and a relationship with him, you know? And then fast forward 14 years, my dad died, my best friend, only to be preceded by, preceded by my wife passing away 22 days later. You know, and I'm like, I may not know what it's like to go through those things, but I know what it's like to go through what I've been through. And it's crazy to fathom. And I want the listeners to understand this. Mm. There's 1.7 billion people in this world. Stop believing the lie that only you have experienced what you've gone through. You are not alone. And people that get to that point of, I need to take my life. There's thousands of reasons why you may be a hundred percent justified okay sure sure. but i want you to know and understand that you're not alone in your thoughts okay and i'm thinking to myself i i kind of always knew this i'm like somebody else has it out there worse than i do yeah but i'm thinking along the same lines as me i'm like what are the chances of somebody losing a parent and then their spouse all in the same month what are the chances of me meeting somebody in 1.7 billion people in the world that has that same story until I did. Oh, you do. Yeah. You know, and I kept on hearing this story about a guy that goes to our church. He's one of the pastors and we finally got to meet. He lost his mom and his wife in the same month. Oh man. I lost my dad and wife in the same month. And I'm like, and the connection that him and I have right now because or trauma, because of our our pain yeah has allowed us to go through healing you know and you know it's it's i always say that even in the midst of pain god has a sense of humor you know for sure because the word of god says laughter does the body like a medicine you know (laughs) the fact that he would pair you up with somebody that's gone through the same thing can almost be a little on the comical side because you're like, 
God, why would you do this to me? You know, but yet, no, daughter, I, I, no, my child, I want to help the both of you. Well, and he's like teased it out too. He's got great comedic timing. I Even with painful stuff, our family, we didn't know the trials that were coming, right? We've So when my husband and I met, we're both strong because we've been through what we've been through. When we came together, we started to heal a little bit because we were able to see and accept each other. Wow. Uh, accepting where you start. Like I take my kids to the, the zoo and we see the map on the wall all the time. And I'm like, all right, where do you want to go? They want to go see the tigers or the penguins. I'm like, and where are we? And they're tired of this lesson. They know this by heart. They're like, we're right there where the arrow says, and we know we can go anywhere we want to go if we know where we are. Well, it's true though, because we want to say, I don't want to have this problem or it's not that bad, or I'm shaming myself for being here. You know, soldiers that come home from war, they want to be who their family remembers them. They mourn not only friends lost on a battlefield, they mourn that their family and themselves are no longer the same. And too often, nobody just says, it's, it's okay. I love you. You're okay. You didn't have to earn this. You don't have to give me the laundry list of all the stuff that went wrong. You don't have to prove to me you're still worthy of love. You already are worthy of love. And my husband and I didn't know that us coming together, finding each other broken, was going to lay the land for things to come in our family that if we hadn't met, I think tragedy would have been much worse. So I and my husband had been coping and dealing with trauma the strong way. You know, you see it, you cut it out of your life or you build strong on top of it and you just decide that it doesn't, it isn't all of your life. But we had a moment happen that kind of rang a bell that says we can't keep doing it this way. We can't keep just being strong because we're going to show our kids how to just be strong. And to me, PTSD is something everybody talks about, right? And a real simple definition that I go with is that life handed you more junk than you had skills to handle like emotional capacity or maybe like a framework, any of the things that coaches talk about, we just don't know it beforehand. If we did, we, we navigate it, you know? My, my bonus son, when he was 12 years old, we got a phone call from his birth mom that he had hung himself. They'd been having an argument, her and her now, ex-husband were having a normal family discussion problem, whatever, and asked him to just give him a minute or go, we'll talk to you later. He didn't feel like anybody heard him. He didn't feel like anybody saw him. He, the other kids in the house were out of his control and he didn't know what to do. And he finally said, fine, I, I don't know. And, and as a parent, we'd never looked at him and said, it's okay to be where you are. It's okay to be overwhelmed. Because the truth is, 
It is. It's okay. Uh, again, can we take our next breath? Can we sit still long enough that we'll, our connection to people will help us figure things out? There's there's value in a breath, not just as something to do, but there's it's like gears that are coming together, right? And you've got to have everybody in the right position, but we are so fortunate that he survived. So fortunate. And what happened in our life since then? Man, I wish we could have taken it with a, a simpler hint. Our family was heading right over a cliff and we didn't know it. We were arguing about being right about how to raise these kids, being right about where the job should be, being right about whose house should have what and the clothes and the all the, the divorce arguments, all the multi-family co-parenting arguments, all the I'm strong, I've been through trauma, I know how to be strong arguments. And we didn't see it coming. Red flags aren't really red in life, but... We sure took this one to heart. And we, I, I said, how do I change? What do I need to know? I need to know more and do more so that I can help my family have the life that we are painfully wanting. Painfully wanting. Had twins uh, with my husband. And so now there's four kids. And we're looking at them going, we've got we've to set them up on solid ground. And as strong as we were, we didn't know what our solid ground looked like. So that meant healing through our stuff, going back and looking at that stuff that happens to you when you're younger and intentionally deciding, what does this mean about me? And do I, where's the truth in it? You know, not just how did I survive it? I always talk to people. It's kind of like you got all of the USB cords in your house android and iphone and c charger and in the dark somebody just shoved them in to make everything work we have wiring like that when we get through trauma and if we don't stop and look at things we cut things out of our life that we need so if you were to meet my bonus son now his he is amazing he is rocking the grades. Even when he struggles in a class, he's finding a way to fix things. He's having conversations with teachers. Nobody understands how far he's come. They always marvel at how mature and kind and considerate he is. He found his base. You know, our family had to build him from the ground up, support him after he crumbled and tell him, you are okay where you are. And I started reading a book a week. <laughs> you know, you hear about Tony Robbins or um, Les Brown. You know, they are hungry for change in knowledge, what they do. They went for anybody willing to share that knowledge. And there's so many books out there. I watched five or six uh, sermons, <laughs> Dr. Robert or Pastor Robert Morris. Um, and all the things I just turned on the fire hose and said, I got to do something different. Yeah. And you know what? Caterpillars, they, they get it rough, man. Birthing wings hurts. <laughs> and we sometimes go backwards without intending to, yeah. but our family now we have a, a term we call it tactical joy. Mm. 
and it comes out in fun ways. Like mom's the one that's been drinking heavy on the the self-growth stuff, but everybody picks up their little favorite pieces and they each have this role to play. And there's this night that I want to share with you because in the past it would have been like huffing and yelling and everybody losing their ever loving mind. We went out for Italian food. And we were supposed to be having a Zoom uh, hide-and-go-seek with another family as soon as we got home, (laughs) because games have become a way that my family heals in a big way. And as we're eating dinner, everybody in the restaurant is crabby. I mean, the place is running slow. There's a wonderful lady that's named Rosie. She, like, is the shining star that makes that place work. She wasn't there. (laughs) She was not there. And everybody was feeling her absence. And my family is hungry. We've got a time crunch. They know there's good stuff coming. And we could just see everybody getting crabby. The tables around us. My husband all of a sudden puts his hand up in the air, smacks a fist down and goes, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. The whole family at our table immediately resets plays round robin rock paper scissors until we're all giggling and trying to decide what the rules are if three people have one thing and two have another and this is enough the entire restaurant when we got done they were chuckling and laughing not at us like their own conversations griping about a boss had turned into talking about you remember that wedding we went to and the whole place shifts energies like that we have the ability that if we can just be okay where we are to choose intentionally how we want to go forward. And it's, it's a really powerful moment. It's also understanding that you have the ability to create the atmosphere in which you want to live in and which you want to be in. And that's a prime example, which y'all just did in the, uh, in the restaurant. Okay. Well, physically you knew where you were at, you were in a restaurant of just, just everybody, everybody. Would everybody be in a bad mood? Things like that. You have to know and understand where you are before you can ever, number one, help yourself to also either be there for anybody else. We always, we get it flipped. We We do. always help somebody. I say, quote unquote, help. Really what we want to do is fix them. Okay. And especially when it comes to being in a relationship or something like that is we want to fix the other individual instead of understanding I'm at where I'm at because of my actions or because of life, because of trauma, because of whatever that may have happened. And it's not even a matter of trying to decide whether you're there because of your own choices or whether you're there because of other, other, other people's choices. It's just simply recognizing this is where I'm at, recognizing that I'm homeless or I'm, I'm a drug addict or I am an alcoholic or I'm an abusive parent or I'm a narcissist or I am just going through life and everything keeps on hitting me or I'm a failed business owner or, or I'm successful or I'm proud. I'm a great dad. I'm, you know, a, a, a wonderful husband. I'm a, a great boyfriend or girlfriend. Yep. It's okay it's, it's a, to understand that it's okay to be where you are, but here's the thing. None of us have to stay where we're at. Okay. And that's where I talk about the creating the atmosphere. You guys made a choice. Your husband made a choice saying, okay, we're gonna just going to do the oldest game in, in the book, Rock, Paper, Scissors, which can be one of the funnest games in the book. It's so much fun. And it, it's that right there, the choice to do something different than what everybody was doing, 
change the complete atmosphere of not only yourself and your environment, because that's really all you're who you're having to change is yourself. But well, as we change ourselves and focus on that, yeah, to our environment, everything starts to change around us. So we've started talking it a little different at our house. Uh, I don't have one. I need to get one. You know, you, you remember the old school, like magnifying glasses, the little round thing, turn it one way and the ant burns. You turn it the other way. You could warm up a whole room, right? right. It's the same thing with our focus. Yeah. If we focus in, oh, man, one of the biggest hurdles when my bonus son started coming to live with us was he would just erupt in anger. And you would see it in his face first, you know, and his body would tense up. And we had this amazing conversation that opened the door for both of us in just a huge way because I asked him, Hey, how are you liking the new school? And he like turned into lava man. I mean, he was so mad and he hadn't even said anything. And I'm like, okay, um, I'm going to ask you something that seems I'm just, whatever I said to make you upset, put that on a shelf and I am giving you carte blanche. You, whatever you say and whatever comes out of your mouth, I am in a good place. I'm not going to react. We can respond, but we don't want to react. Uh, and I said, I need you to say out your mouth the things that are bouncing around your head. And you need, I call it like a mirror friend. Somebody to be your kind mirror. Because if we say it to ourselves in the mirror, sometimes we make it like it sounds all right. But the minute you say it to a friend, what you're thinking, whether it's about them or yourself, it comes out and the facial expression is like, that was in my head. And it felt like truth because it's loud. And he goes, you're always on my case and I can't believe it. I just, I mean, he like threw it at me physically, verbally, just was blah. And at the end, he kind of went, hmm, <laughs> you know, like, because he wasn't really listening to the words coming out of his mouth. Yeah. He just, that was the first time he'd ever just let them out. I said, okay, so I hear you say that I'm always on your case and about the grades and the homework and stuff not being turned in. Is this the first time you and I have ever talked about this? He looked like I'd suddenly turned into a pink fluffy bunny. He just did, he didn't even know what to say yeah. because he's like, it is the first time we've ever talked about it. Trauma stacks. It becomes something different because of years of everything else. Right. So can I give your listeners like a tip? Oh, absolutely. 100%. So this is one that has evolved. I always like people that are like, this is science-based. And not woo-woo. And then I'm like, I wonder if I'm woo-woo. But I think there really is science. I don't know. I just haven't stopped to look. But what our family did is we made a calendar of trauma dates. So your body is a finely tuned machine. Yeah. It wants to survive and it knows that seasons are a real thing. Do you know that it takes your eyes the exact amount of time to go from light to dark as it takes for the sun to set from, you know, day to dusk to night. It literally is a, a physiological match with the biological. It's, it's a really amazing thing, but our body remembers seasons because if last season, the saber toothed tiger chased us out of our cave, we're going to be ready next year. Right. Same thing happens with our emotional versions of those. If you put them on the calendar and give yourself a week ahead of a hay 
connect with my safe people. My husband and I, his journey really changed because I started noticing that during certain seasons, he would stay outside and talk on the phone by his truck or just sit and not come in the house when he got home. And I'd ask, are you, you know, are you upset with me? Is there anything? Oh no, nothing's, everything's fine. And it, it's taken us a few years of rotation. So I'm trying to give people like a good seven year shrink down that we learned to track this. And by being aware of it, he was able to go, I need to watch my habits because some habits we do them because they're fun. And if you're in a healthy place, no big deal. If you're at a slope that's about to drop out from under you, it can become a really big deal. And it feels like your hands are back on the wheel when you're able to do that. So map, them out. Don't judge them. I don't care if they're every week. And then have some strategies for what you do to connect with the people that keep you at your best self. And I started, when I noticed that, I'm like, well, one, I would never consider myself a stressed individual. I feel like I handle things very, very well. Strong. But I also noticed that like, man, when I started to notice that this time I'm, I'm wanting a Dr. Pepper, like, well, why am I wanting a Dr. Pepper? I don't have the craving for one, but all of a sudden it just pops up. I'm like, well, this happened at work or I'm talking about this or I'm doing this, you know? And then that helped me to understand that when I craved the Dr. Pepper, I was going through stress. And so I just switched it. The moment I felt the craving, I'm like, okay, what am I stressed about? What can I call myself? What can I relax about? You know? Yes. And um, and, and even though I had kicked the habit for a long time, I would notice that when I was learning to fly, fly planes, that there were certain times I craved a Dr. Pepper and I'm just like, I can't rely on the Dr. Pepper No, <laughs> to be my de-stressor. I had to learn how to man- manage it and mitigate things, you know? So, it's so good. Um, and then of course, you know, when you're talking about the trauma dates, you know, and there are things that we have as anniversaries, people, the anniversary of people's deaths, you know, the people, you know, a divorce or even a birthday, not, not, not all birthdays and Christmases are joyful for people. Sure. But being able to take that and understand, Hey, look, if that's an area that I struggle with and you said it, it's, I have to recreate the atmosphere in which I desire. And that's by surrounding myself. One way to do is surround yourself by the people that you want to be around or that can help you through that time that you know that trauma because all trauma leads to shame you know shame is a survival mechanism yeah, i yeah. mean it is and here's the deal if you eat a quarter pounder with cheese from mcdonald's every day for years and then you finally decide that this isn't a good idea that the if you've been playing softball, drinking yourself stupid and taking pain medication for years and you decide to do something different, your body says, that's a change. It's dangerous. Don't do that. And that can feel overwhelming, but it can also, if you take a moment, take a breath, it's also really amazing to know the body can be trained that way. And don't judge where you are. You've used the tools you've had. So I told you that I'd done life two ways. Intentionally, after learning a bunch, and it changed my life dramatically. Or I started out with the whole, 
I'm surviving whatever life gives me. I'm going to be strong. And I really had this idea that I was waiting for life to happen and I was ready and I was going to rock it. And all I kept getting was more pain and more lessons of I needed to do something different. And so what changed was I started adding action. I read a book. I did something. I connected. I started asking, what are my creative abilities? What are, what makes me special? I use, we talk about the four C's, compassion for yourself. That's okay to be where you at. That's the compassion. Curiosity, ask a question that opens a door, not slams it, you know, flip the magnifying glass over. What, how do I open a door here? How do I use connection? How do I use creativity? Because my entire life has shifted in the last 12 to 18 months. I mean, meeting you is one of those uh, examples of we were on a similar journey of trying to learn how once you've had a passion awoken you and a truth, you want to look around you and go, there are other people that need to know this. I wish somebody had told me that 20 years ago. I felt like a crazy person when we started to heal and help my son and do all these things. Uh, but there are literally, there are people that connect with you because of the energy you bring, because of the passion you feel and the purpose that has been born inside your chest that you don't ignore because that'll eat you out inside out. If you have that passion in your chest, that story that's in you, a lot of it gets stopped by self-judging or worrying about what somebody else is going to think. I just shared some of the hardest things I've ever been through. And you know what? Every time I've ever done that, in person, online, whatever, I always have somebody reach out and say, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that. And my life changed because I started sharing in a way that I couldn't not, like I asked my family, I share very deep things about them. I'm like, are you okay? Yeah, you need to share. One, they go, I don't want to share it. It's it's a public and loud, and I, but please do because people need to hear it. It's going to open doors for them. And what it did is it opened doors for my family. Uh, you started the call by letting them know that I'm a stage agent with uh, Adventure Reach. And I met Pete Vargas and Pat Quinn and how they pour into people that are the best kept secrets of the speaking world, like believing in their own message, understanding that your mess and your message changes the world the minute you own it. You don't keep it under a bushel. So I had found a job that paid the bills in my past. I'd been through the rocky roads of losing it with the twins. And then now staying home with my kids, working on the entrepreneurial life and coaching and helping families with joy, I literally had my dream job come search me out and knock on my door. I mean, getting to work with clients like you and reminding you how amazing it is that you are changing people's lives is just, I feel like I, a kid in a candy store. And I get to really, every day, well, we, I still battle my stuff. Uh, yeah. You talk about Dr. Pepper you know what? I can eat great for breakfast and lunch. I'm still trying to figure out the dinner after kids get home. It's always easy and stress related, right, you right. know, but I also see it. And so that means I'm going to find solutions and it's, it's working out and there is no perfect. Do it messy and yeah. do it together. Our mess is or creates the message. 
Mm. And one of the that I've had in life is believing that I was a perfectionist. Mm. Really, I was a procrastinator, but really I was fearful. Oh man, it's no wonder we're friends. Yeah. And when I started to understand those things, then I understand was number one, I always knew I wasn't perfect. I don't know why I strove, I strive for perfection because I'll never reach it. Why, why try to reach a goal that you'll never reach? Why? And then I'm not talking about, I'm talking about something that's impossible. It's impossible for us as humans to be perfect. So why, why, why do I want to try it? Do you know why I love doing these? Because you hear somebody and you have the conversation and something new like zings through my brain. You know, if you were perfect, you wouldn't be the beautiful, amazing creation that you are. Absolutely. You would actually not be yourself. Right. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But when I we- understood that, then I understood that my perfectionism was stemming from my procrastination. Okay. Yeah. Is, it would. If I wasn't perfect, then I wouldn't do it. So that was procrastinating because I wanted to be perfect. You know, I wanted to start the podcast. I want to have everything nailed down just right. I wanted to have the the podcast room with the the great lighting. And I'm making fun of my own lighting right now. (laughs) I can help you with that, by the way. (laughs) Great. My sound quality keeps on echoing in and out at me at different times. You know, (laughs) I'm not set up in my office like I normally am. I'm set up at home because I have kids, you know, tonight. And it's just one thing after another. I'm like, you know what? Who cares? You're doing it anyways. Oh man. You know, and because I don't worry, have to worry about being perfect, then I don't procrastinate. And then I understand it's like, well, why did I always procrastinate? Because ultimately I was fearful. I was fearful of what people would think, what people, you know, listen, and this is no toot to my own horn. This is no tooting my own. I thank God that I have the opportunity to be able to podcast it. Cause right now we're in 38 different nations. That's amazing. You know, and I know my, my, my goal is to reach every nation, you know, but it's, I want people to understand that even in the midst of your chaos, in the midst of your mess, your message is being developed. It's being born. Yeah. You know, it's pain that launches us into our destiny unless we choose it to allow us to get stuck. You know, pain can launch you. Pain can be the very thing that sets you free. Because if we understand why we're going through the pain, it goes back to what you were saying, know where you are. And I'm not talking about just a physical location, even though that's what you were teaching your children at the time with the map, knowing where you're at so you can help yourself. No alcoholic, no addict, no drug addict, nothing can ever get help until they realize, I realize what I'm doing. I am destroying myself. I am X, Y, Z. Nobody can ever get help. It doesn't matter how much we try. It doesn't matter how much, you know, it's the understanding of God, this is where I'm at. And this is where I don't want to be. Yeah. I don't want to be there anymore. I don't want to live that life anymore. You know, and it's, it's, it's so neat that you say that about hearing that still small voice in the midst of wanting to commit suicide. And I, I, I have this when I thought about doing podcasts a couple of years ago, I would just start jotting down little notes that would pop into my mind as mm-hmm. I was my own trauma and my own, my own guilt of things and like the shame, yeah. the healing, you know, we all try to hear the voice of God in the midst of chaos, 
in the midst of everything going on. You, you see people on Facebook like, man, I need prayers for this, 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 and this. And there's nothing wrong with that. I When I see it, I pray. You know, sometimes I don't even comment. I just know that I go into prayer. But ultimately, it's the times of preparation and quietness. Yeah, absolutely. That we're able to hear God's voice in the chaos. I mean, try to catch a football in the middle of a pro football game for the first time while everybody's running at you. Yeah. That's not going to work. I'd probably drop it. I run away. What am I doing out here? And the the ball's made for you. The throw's made for you. Everything's made for you. But you have to practice hearing it. Uh, and I I love my nutritional coach. God bless her. I'm still practicing writing down the bad days of food choices. <laughs> but she said, I need you to understand your journey doesn't arrive. And she meant it just about food and these things, but it's it's a global concept. Yeah. You don't arrive. There is no getting there. Right. You are creating this habit and this flow and literally doctors do it. So why not you? It's a practice. You're practicing. Yeah. Take, take the, practice. yeah, take the, the stress off of it and just practice it. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to give everybody like a candy. I, I'm going to keep them in my house, but they're, they're, I don't even like to eat them. Maybe that'd be good. Now and laters. Uh, you need to remember now, take care of now. Just take care. Get through now. Take a breath. Be aware that now is now. And then plan next time. The biggest thing in my life that has helped me move forward is realizing if I'm going through it now and can learn something, I'm going to do better later. Whether it's to share with somebody or it's to just navigate it better. Knowing that my time frames are where I have things that fall apart when I eat, I get to use different strategies. You know, I'm unlocking that because I'm dealing with now and planning for later. We can't do a whole life in two days. You yeah. really have to live each, each day. We don't just figure it all out and it's all good to go. So... Michelle, before we end the show, I want to ask you a question. I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. I'm down. Is what does the phrase or the title of our podcast, Purpose Through Pain, what does the words Purpose Through Pain mean to you? So when I told my story, I told it in a way that I didn't really say this, but you asked me. When my bonus son attempted suicide, it was 30 days after I started um network marketing business. And I was trying to figure out how to do this. I didn't understand, but our family needed this. And then it all fell apart. Right. And I had this community around me that is was so supportive and uplifting. And they're like, you can do this. But I'm like, how do I do this? I don't even know what skills I have. What, what do I have? Where are my building blocks? I can't, you know, I don't even have any Legos. What is this? I had my war board on the wall, which was like one of those massive six foot uh, dry eraser boards. And I looked at it and you know what I did, Joseph? I wrote down every pain point in my life. Mm. Rape, suicide survivor, um, been willing. I literally stood in a room to save another life and I was willing to be the one that, that took the beating. Um, just thing after thing, you know, uh, sicknesses passing of family, every trauma, every pain on that board. 
And over the months that followed, I started writing another column. What did I learn? What skill did I, do I understand that if I hadn't been through that, these were connection points, not just to my own history and my own map of how to get out of it, but to walk with others. I mean, to list all those up there, it wasn't like a, a poor me list, like sitting in class. It was a question. What did these bring me? Good and bad. Because how I survived them doesn't necessarily mean that's going to set up and something I would want to pass on to somebody else to avoid that or to heal from that. And when we give our pain the space to be what it is, not judge it, you got to feel it. You can't just skip that part. There is this purpose that shifts your life, kind of like a light comes on and you're stoking that flame and you give other people the, uh, the permission to do the same in their life. And it's not always the same stuff that we've gone through, but you connect with people. If you look at the leaders in the world that are changing millions of lives, and I, I don't use that term, you know, Tony Robbins, if you were to like take strings from that man and like tie it across the globe, I just, we don't get to see that spider web of our life. And the minute we let pain have its purpose, we start shifting the whole world. It's no longer small. It's no longer ripping our own life up. It's, it's a light in the world to change it. We don't have to focus into the pain. We can launch from it. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to finding true freedom and breakthrough.